Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. Hey, everybody. You know, the, shaman is, the shaman comedy hour is over. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> uh, move. Okay, good. Let's no, move no. on. Yes. So it's uh, August fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. This is common law word nudes, or better known as common law shamanism, and uh, we're here on Tuesday nights talking about health with Jeff and Dana, and on Saturday, Sean is uh, Sean and friends. Uh, discusses Bible stuff, Bible study. We're having church. I hope you join us on those other days. But tonight, we're going to be talking about common law, natural law, and um, somebody want to say something? <clears throat> hey, you guys need to be like Darth Vader. Stuff. You're like what? Sounded like Darth Vader in the bathroom. How did you know what he sounds like in the bathroom? I was there. You were there. I'm going to mute everybody yeah. out except uh, the moderators, and then uh, then you guys can just hit star six after to unmute yourself. All right. There you go. Q&A mode. And uh, so I want to let John and JC just roll with it. And uh, glad... Uh, Glad you all here to join us tonight. Hang out. Hey, everybody. This is Commonwealth Shamanism with your host, Ghislaine Britton. And I'm Sean, and JC is getting ready to take lead on uh, tonight. I'll get serious. So tonight we're going to start talking a little bit about um, you know, we talked about it. JC brought the idea of kind of going over the history of a court, how courts were started, the different types of courts, why a court is, and how to move one. Um, there's a lot of, seems to be a lot of misunderstanding as to some of the purposes of a court and, you know, the angles that you can come at it on. And because of that, you know, people kind of get hammered. If you have a better understanding of what a court is and why you're even there, if you don't understand that, you're probably not going to do very well on a case. So uh, he'll be taking lead tonight. And if I had my snare drum on, but everybody yells at me when I do that on the air, so I'll just pretend I'm playing a snare and introduce JC. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming out tonight and being on the Wednesday night call with us. Um, we, we appreciate all the, the support. Anyways, uh, like Shaman said, we're going to get into what a court is, how a court was developed, and why it exists, the different types of court, and um, basically where you should go when when you wish to move different courts. So 
I think everybody's kind of familiar with uh, what's generally called a court of justice, and that is what they have down at the county courthouse, although there's no justice to be found. Um, but a court of justice is basically a court where you go in, and it's what most people think about. You have a judge or you have a jury. You have two litigants, um, opposing parties. Um, you have a clerk, uh, bailiff, things of that nature. A different court would be a legislature. The legislative body is a court. It's just not a court of justice. Um, when you go back to the original courts all the way back in old English, old common law, you know, back to William the Conqueror, because that was basically the idea that when he conquered England, he brought his court. And when the people would not submit to the civil law, he basically had to enact a common law, like a law that was common to the inhabitants of the island. And the reason he did this was so that he could keep control of it, more or less. Um, so his court and his retinue uh, gathered around him as they did with other kings and the lineage. And basically they kind of set up some more or less common sense ways for people to get along with one another even when they don't like each other because more or less that's the whole idea of civil society and civil government. Um, the only reason to have courts is to have a place for people to go when there's some type of dispute against one another without going go well on people, which for anybody who does not know what go well is, it's a Jewish tradition, like a very, very ancient Jewish tradition where if somebody came over and broke my brother's arm, then me and my cousins would get up a posse and roll over to their place and, you know, break two of their legs. And violence begets violence. An eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. And so, um, you know, when we move past that stage of history, that's when courts were invented, was so that um, people basically were not violent with each other like that among society. And... Um, so basically you have a king, his retinue, or his advisors. Um, in England, they ended up developing a parliament pretty early on in the game. It came along right after the Magna Carta. So when the parliament was there, that was basically the king's court, the king's advisors at that moment in time. So parliament was there to basically enact law, and the king was there to enforce law. Um, so that's where the idea of a legislature being a court comes from, is that the legislature is more or less the retinue of the king, which the king in our present-day terms would be the president of the United States or the governor of a state because they are the executive branch of government. So the government's broken up into these three different branches, and they each have their own court. Like, each of them are a separate and individual court. Each of them have jurisdiction over separate and individual issues. For instance, when you get into the executive court, the executive has two main chief officers in every single state. 
and that is they have an attorney general who is the law enforcement officer of each state, and then they have the secret keeper of the state, which is the secretary. Um, And so the secretary basically keeps all the secrets of the state, and they work with the commercial corporate side of the state. The uh, attorney general works with the law enforcement side of the state, And as a consequence, the attorney general is also the attorney for every single state official. So any state representative or the governor or any of the judiciary, when they come under attack in a legal setting or a court of law, um, it's the attorney general's job to be their attorney. So those are kind of the two separate courts of the executive branch of government, and the executive is the one who signs the legislative court into enactment. So the legislatures can get together and write all of this great legislation. They can vote on it. They can pass it by two-thirds, and if the executive does not sign off on it, if the executive looks at it and says, oh, this legislation is absurd, it does not get passed into a statutory instrument. So... The legislature being the court of the executive, that's basically what their job is, is to create statutory instruments for the executive for the approval of the king. Hey, we created this nice document that tells people very specifically how to act with one another and what the punishments are. If they do not act this way with one another, is it to your liking And the executive can say, oh, yes, this is to my liking. Or he can say, oh, no, this is not to my liking. Take it back to the house, rewrite it, redo it, and then send it back over here. And so this is, like I was saying, a tradition that comes from the kings and queens and the monarchs of Europe. And the judicial branch, the judicial branch has their own forms of court, For instance, like when you're on the base form of the court of law uh, where you have disputes between man against man or man against corporation or corporation against man or corporation against corporation. It's called a general court of justice of the state. And when you get out of that court, if you do not wish the – if you do not wish – To accept the judgment or the ruling of the court, you can always move it to the Court of Appeals, which is a different branch of the judiciary within each and every state. And if you don't accept the Court of Appeals decision, you can always move it up to the Supreme Court, and you can see what their opinion is about the law, because law is always an opinion. The court and its ruling and its judgment is always an opinion. It's an opinion of somebody. And so the only court that you cannot appeal the opinion of is a at common law jury. You cannot appeal their opinion because it doesn't matter what the appellant court says. It doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what statutes say. It doesn't matter what case law says. When you have an at common law jury... The jury is the law. It's really just that simple. So that's the only court that you cannot appeal the decision of. And, of course, 
all of these other courts have different jurisdiction and handle different issues. For instance, if you have a completely constitutional issue, you can take it straight to the Supreme Court. You do not have to appeal in the appellant court, although it would probably be better most of the time because it's cheaper and it will be heard quicker. But you can always take a constitutional issue straight to the Supreme Court. That's where their jurisdiction lies. Now, there's also other courts, like when you get down to the county level, okay, there's the county seat of government, which has, you know, the county managers or, you know, the county council or um, whatever it's called in your county, because this is something where the name kind of changes across the United States, depending on the county and the seat of government in which they enact. So, But basically, you have a county seat of government, which enacts county ordinances and um, things of that nature within the county. And they have absolutely no jurisdiction to enact anything outside of the county. Um, And the thing that brings me... To, to talking about this this evening is I was sent an article um, from Henderson County talking about protesters who were down at the historical courthouse, which is the county seat of government right now. And in front of the historical courthouse, they are protesting a lot of what really should be protested down at the state legislature's office. So they're protesting things like gun control, you know, uh, the right to bear arms, um, you know, things about the highway. They, They don't wish for a highway to go a certain place. And the county government, the city of the county government, basically is making noise ordinances and kind of rules and regulations on how they can protest. And when I was sent this article, I believe that it was kind of like, oh, they're kind of taking our rights maybe, but they're really not. Like if I had to go into that office every day and work, it would be really annoying to me that a bunch of people were outside making a whole lot of noise and a whole lot of racket when they really should be down at the state capitol doing that. They you know, they shouldn't be at the county seat of government because the county has absolutely no jurisdiction, power, control, authority over what happens with the state government. And if you look back in history, take the civil rights movement for instance, the civil rights movement worked well and efficiently because a bunch of people got together and they marched on state capitals and they told the legislatures we're not going to leave until you change this, until you do this. We're not going to leave. And that's why they had a lot of action and a lot of success. And that's why there was Pro, which was an FBI program, to completely demolish the civil rights activists and the people who actually were on the, on the ground roots of it and getting the people together and getting them organized and having them Uh, you know, have these great ideas about what government could be and how it was supposed to be for us and, you know, how 
these are supposed to be our representatives, so they have to do what we tell them to do. And I would say, and this isn't true in every state, but in most states, there's something in their constitution to the effect of that the people, if the people amass and go down to the legislature's court, go down to the legislature's office, the legislature's seat of government, they can instruct the legislature how to legislate. They can tell them, hey, you got to do this, and the legislature is supposed to listen. Not saying that they do all the time. Back in the 60s, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of people marching. It took a lot of upheaval before they actually made any real commitments. And then when they started making commitments, each state started kind of following suit. And then after that, of course, they had the Civil Rights Act in, I believe, 1964. I could be wrong on that. So, But this is how people changed what their government was doing and how they were doing it. And this is what the other side is very, very afraid of. Um, because just like back in the 60s when they had COINTELPRO, Basically, they had COINTELPRO to go back and stop what, you know, the activist rights people were doing because they were afraid of the power establishment, of the established power at the time more or less being overthrown because that's what is really important is power, you know, like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when people have that kind of power, when they have that kind of control and that kind of authority, they don't wish to lose it. You know, people who seek power only wish to have more power. It gets them high like a drug, like cocaine. Um, cocaine will release the exact same endorphins into your brain as shopping does, okay? So these acts, without using drugs like power, like power is a high in and of itself. And people get addicted to it. And they don't come off of it until power is taken from them. The people who are addicted to power will not give it up until it is taken. So basically the whole point of this kind of lecture, conversation, whatever, I feel like I've been talking for a while, <laughs> anyways, is to basically let people know which branches of government have more or less what job, what jurisdiction, what authority, because jurisdiction is basically power and control over something. Okay, and the government does not wish to tell you who has jurisdiction of what. And there's actually an interesting story, and because it relates to Baba, I'm going to go ahead and tell it. Baba went to the high clerk's office with something pertaining to a note on a, on a um, property, and basically it was being foreclosed on, and he wished to file it at the clerk's office. And the clerk was not going to file it. And after about, I guess, maybe 20 minutes or half an hour of having more or less a back and forth, the clerk had, you know, six or eight officers come in and escort Baba out of the building. Well, the clerk would not tell Baba is that he had to go across the hall to the Registry of Deeds 
and file it. If he would have gone across the hall and filed it in the Registry of Deeds, they would have accepted it because that is their jurisdiction. That is what they know to do. And, of course, you know, the other side does not wish to help you figure out what you wish to do at all. And that's why they always tell you, go get an attorney. So if you know anybody who's ever worked with Shaman or myself, they'll tell you it's very, very interesting because we go into these courthouses and we basically have to teach everybody who's there what their job is. Because it's not that they don't know. It's just that everybody in a seat of government wishes to kind of give you the runaround, you know, or tell you to go get an attorney. I mean, even if you do go in there and know exactly what you're talking about and you're telling them what to do, you have to really break it down into the ABCs of why it is their job to do that before they really start to listen. And even when you break it down into the ABCs, They'll still say things like the high clerk will say, oh, well, I'm just a keeper of the records. That's all I do. I just file and keep records. No, you're half of the court. You are half of the court. The high clerk is always half of the court, okay, because the court cannot exist without the clerk. The clerk cannot exist without the court. Although a lot of the time they do go into the back and ask other people, what to do because, I mean, honestly, there are a large amount of people, not the really higher-ups, in my opinion, the a lot of the mid-range people really don't know what they're doing. And they well, get the into a system who, and they're just locked down. The people who greet, greet you, like when you walk into a clerk's office, whatever clerk comes up to the desk, and says, hey, how are you doing today? They know absolutely nothing. It's not that they're trying to be hard. It's not that they're trying to be difficult. They really just do not know. All they know, all they're instructed to do is, hey, when you get a piece of paper, you see what the file number is on it. You stamp the piece of paper. If they ask for a copy back, you give them a copy back, and then you go over to the file that has you know, the file number on it, and you place it into the file. And that's basically what they understand their job as consisting of. Or, you know, when court happens on this morning, it's your job to go and get all of the files on the docket for that day. And when you have them together on this nice little rolly tray, you take it up to the, um, you know, judge's chambers. And then... At lunch, you go out to the judge's chambers and you see what orders he has signed, you know, prior to lunch. And then you go and you clock those orders in and you file them into the case in which they belong to. And then at the end of the day, at 5 o'clock, you do the same thing. And that's yeah, court clerks are like, you know, they're like algorithms. They know little algorithms, but they don't understand the math. They don't, they really don't know anything. And you frustrate the hell out of them when you go in and do, because it just throws them into a... I was laughing when we were in Polk County and you were talking to all of them. I was just sitting there laughing because they were just getting so aggravated. It's like they'd go in the back and they'd come back and they'd be like, okay. And then he'd say something else and they'd be like, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. And then they'd disappear again and they'd come back like two or three minutes later. 
It was actually in between funny and pathetic. Yeah, and I mean, they get really, the other side gets really, really worried when somebody comes in from the public and they actually know what they're talking about. The other side is not used to that almost ever. Because, of course, there's so much crazy stuff on the Internet. And people go on the Internet and they think that they're supposed to go in there and do one thing and then it doesn't go the way that they expect it to go. And they're like, oh, no, you got to do this. Well, then maybe that's not their job. You know, and honestly, when you do know exactly what you're talking about, my suggestion is to just go in there and set up a meeting with the high clerk. They're an elected official. If you go in there and you wish to set up a meeting, generally you're going to get it if you ask the correct way. If you're very courteous and polite and you have a reason or some type of business that you wish to encounter them with. And when you get to the high clerk, the high clerk of any courthouse absolutely knows their job. The high clerk of any courthouse absolutely knows what a common law action is. They absolutely know what a common law action is. They may not wish to tell you. Very, very rarely do they come out and just admit it right off the bat. Typically, you kind of have to logic it out with them, okay? But they absolutely know what it is. As a matter of fact... I was just going to say, as a matter of... If you can sit down and have that conversation with them and get them turned around to basically you can logic, work around their logic and logic around it and philosophically and morally and ethically show them why they're wrong, then typically you're going to get what you wish to get done nine times out of ten as long as it's not going against a member of their club. Simon, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there was one clerk in particular that we spoke with who must have in some way been having an internal struggle with what was going on because um, she was very subtly uh, using words that were helpful to us. And uh, we were actually a little surprised at it. And there was actually a whole lot of mutual respect there. You know who I'm talking about. Um, She was really guarded, but actually a little helpful. And that was because, you know, there was no animosity, no... You know, we went in there, explained that we were just trying to help our fellow man, that we're not at war with them, we're just doing what we know is to be right, and that we require them to help us do right, and uh, or at least not stand in the way of it. So she was, you know, as a matter of fact, she actually performed her duty, did she not, JC? Uh, yeah, when it got to the end. Yep. She actually did the right thing. And she uh, washed her hands clean. Yep, she was Pontius Pilate for sure. She absolutely did. She did perform her 
her duty properly, in my opinion, and she was, for the most part, really respectful and uh, a little helpful, and probably between a rock and a hard place. You know, I'm sure, she, honestly, I'm sure she hasn't, I don't believe she had ever seen anybody come in there like us before. I think it surprised her a little bit. I know it surprised them a little bit in the beginning because of the way they were reacting. They really didn't know how to handle us. Um, at first, they wanted to treat us like sovereign citizens, but within the first hour of dealing with us, they realized that that was absolutely not the case, and um, they weren't really sure what to do. So basically, you know, if you have certain things that you wish to do to move court, you have to know exactly which court you wish to move. You have to know what jurisdiction you have to be in. If you're dealing with something that's a commercial activity, you make some type of common law trust that's probably going to come under, you know, the Secretary of State. If you wish to fire your representatives, and walk away from the legal system and have it very well known that you are not represented and that if anybody believes you are represented or representing them, you know, you wish for the attorney general to tell them otherwise because he is the attorney of all elected representatives. So he absolutely has the authority to tell your representatives that they are fired um, if you wish for the representative form of government or the legislatures to change a law, basically the only way that I've seen it done in modern history is something compared to the civil rights movement when people get together in mass and they go down onto the state house and basically say, hey, we're not going to leave until you do this. Um, one example of that just right here in my neck of the woods um, I mean, I think it was only five or seven years ago. I, I think it was within the past five to seven years. But, um, you know, people got together. And, of course, like back in the late 90s, they made uh, the legislature take down the rebel flag and off of the state house. And they took it down off of the state house and they moved it to a portion of the property, and it had its own flagpole, and it was just over there in the corner. And then within the past five to seven years, a bunch of people got upset and marched down there and told them to take it off of the property. And, you know, it took a little bit of time, but they did it. Um, if you have some type of uh, deed, property, um you know, something to do with a deed or a property if your house is being foreclosed on, a lot of what you probably wish to do and file on that property is going to be taken care of at the Registry of Deeds or the County Recorder's Office. If you wish to put out some type of public notice telling people, you know, what your stance is or, you know, what your property is or whatever you wish for the public and the state to be fully informed of, go down to the Registry of Deeds and file it with them as a public notice. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, it's basically kind of cut and dry. Are there any questions about this? 
A lot of great stuff, JC. <clears throat> Floor's open. Uh, if you guys have a question, star six to unmute yourself. Um, there's a lot of people here. They might, a lot of people like, like to just listen. But uh, can you explain? Uh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, uh, Gus. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. That, that's fine. Okay. I was just gonna ask. There, you know, some states have townships. I guess is a township the same thing as a county? Or do you know? No, a town. A township is different from a county. Um, both a county and a township are typically incorporated. A lot of states will have like certain requirements to have a political subdivision such as a township. So, um, but typically to gain a township, there has to be some type of petition to the state government to say, hey, we're the people over here and we wish to create the town of this name. And it's it's an incorporated entity. Um, you know, it's a municipal corporation. Okay, so a township would be in a county. Yes, a township would be in a county. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just I didn't understand that. And um, I guess the only other thing I would say is that, um, you know, my experience with clerks, like my the clerks that are here, are super awesome. And you know, the way I go in, I mean, I don't know what your guys' experience are. I've heard some uh, horrifying experiences with clerks, but you know, the way I've always gone into them is just like go in there and just I just start asking them questions like I'm totally stupid and have no idea and just please help me and they always just popped right up and you know basically told me everything that I need and one of the first things that I ask them is uh, you know hey I'm trying to do this am I in the right place or do I need to go to a different window or what but uh, they've always been like super helpful but I've always acted just like really super stupid and like, you know, because everybody wants to, wants to rescue somebody, wants to help somebody. And, you know, because that gives them like, it makes them feel good. And so I, I mean, I, I get that the stuff that I've done is not like what you guys are doing, but um, yeah, to, you know, if you like my experiences and even when they, uh, uh, when they switched the records from uh, just paper filing to electronic filing, like I remember I went in there one time to file stuff and all the the uh, clerks had like flip-flops and shorts and these T-shirts. I don't remember what the T-shirt said, but it was something like, you know, we're people too or something. But I guess the attorneys were like going in there and screaming and yelling at them because the electronic system was kind of messed up when they first started it and the you know they the when they started that then the attorneys couldn't come in there and just get, hand them a stack of papers and you know they had to do it from their own computer at their office and so you know all these attorneys are like screaming and yelling at these poor clerks and uh you know so they were that was like their protest <laughs> for uh being treated like crap but uh you know, anyhow, it's just, you know, my experience with them has been very, you know, I've just had a good experience because I've always just, 
been very like asked the question and oh can you tell you know is there a form or is there you know is this the right way to do this am i at the right place or whatever you know and they just they tend to really want to help you and especially i mean obviously they can't give you legal advice and stuff like that but you know telling you okay well you're at the wrong window you know if you're filing a county thing or the county records thing then you got to go down to the you know around the corner and to the next window but you know i just and i know that i get that you guys are doing different stuff but yeah my experience has just been uh if you just act like hey i'm in distress here i need help please help me they're always uh just johnny on the spot there and as as one of these ladies was helping me out another clerk was over there yelling at the freaking attorney who was freaking out because he couldn't file his stuff so you know um you know uh clerks kind of vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction most state level clerks are kind of informed to be helpful and informative to the public um of course if you ask a clerk something that they really don't know anything about they're probably going to be really straight up and tell you. Um, in a lot of states, uh, attorneys have to e-file. So, like, here in my state, the only thing that you can go in there and file is if you're not an attorney. Um, every single document, all of the paperwork that an attorney files has to be processed through the e-filing system. Um, so they yeah, and that's how this state is now. There. Yeah, and they just switched over, like, probably in the last, I don't remember what it was, eight months or maybe a little more, maybe a year ago or something. So, But there was definitely some growing pains uh, <laughs> in that process. There always is when you're trying to change something. Yeah. <laughs> And unfortunately, the clerk's got the brunt of the, uh, the you know, the assault because you got this attorney in there that makes, I don't know, a million dollars a year, you know, jumping up and down, screaming at the clerk because the system don't work. And she's in there thinking, well, I didn't write the damn program, so why are you yelling at me? Right. <laughs> well, let me put you in touch with our IT guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks, guys. I'll meet out. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for the question. There's a man from Australia who's uh, trying to call in. He's on the call. He's listening, but he can't seem to dial in. For anybody who's uh, like that in another country, uh, if you click on Talk to at the very top, it says dial-in numbers, and uh, you can it'll drop down a menu of all the different numbers you can call to join the call. But he uh, he typed out a question. Says uh, I've been I've been to district court regarding back taxes five years worth, and now the ATO I guess that's the uh, tax place in Australia uh, has now filed for summary judgment. What can I do? Um. Well, I mean, it it depends. Like, typically, for summary judgment, they have to have some type of affidavit um, stating the facts. Like, when they're moving for a summary judgment, then 
it's kind of like uh, when somebody files a complaint and you uh, respond with a demur. So basically, for them to move with a summary judgment, they basically have to say that you're not arguing any of the facts, like uh, all of the facts are agreed upon, and it's just a question of law or a matter of law. And um, even if they're filing a summary judgment, you can still, at least in every state in the United States, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in every state in the United States, you still have a right to a trial by jury um, for them to take any type of property away from you. Um, and that's that's basically what I know. So even if there's no judgment, you still have a right to a trial by jury. If you uh, so if you if you're on the if you're still on the call and you uh, wish to get more information, you can email us. Um, you can email me at, at grayersk at gmail dot com and I'll pass it on. If you've got a court case and, and specifically want some you know, hands on help, you can reach John and uh, Sean, JC and Sean, at uh, JC. What's the email, JC? Is it just JC and Sean? At gmail.com. Yeah, gmail so, and another thing to think about um, with a summary judgment, especially if the court case has been going on for a while, is that uh, if they didn't have enough for a summary judgment at the beginning, then you can always rescind all of your signatures and all of your documents and more or less start over. Because if they didn't have enough to move for a summary judgment at the beginning of the case, then there's something that you probably did within the case that gave them the information that they required to move for a summary judgment. And typically this information comes from interrogatories or a deposition or basically some form of questioning where they get you to verify a statement that they're going to use against you to say, and typically they do this in a real sneaky kind of way. So they ask you questions that you probably do not really know the answer to, and they know more or less how you're probably going to answer. And then they use the answers of those questions against you. Yeah, I guess, like, you remember, like, last night we were talking about my friend that they sent her that, like, I don't know what it was, 53 interrogatory questions, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was kind of the same thing, but, you know, they're basically just trying to snare you and uh, get you to basically convict yourself or, you know, say that you're guilty. Yeah, they do that with interrogatories and, and uh, requests for admissions. You know, admit or deny, you know, A, B, C. You know, it's, uh, there's all sorts of ways that they they try to extract information from you. But uh, it, it's, uh, as the moving party, essentially it's, the burden of proof is on them. And so why volunteer anything? And, you know, in a civil case, I mean, they can hold you in contempt if you don't, if you don't give those answers. But uh, if any of yeah, those answers they have, to, they, they have to establish jurisdiction 
to hold you in contempt, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have an attorney, it's very hard for them to establish jurisdiction. Um, And if they can't establish jurisdiction, then they can't hold you in contempt. Another thing about um, interrogatories and things of that nature is that if the opposing party uh, hasn't verified anything against you, um, the common law most places, I'd say almost everywhere I've checked, but no um, pleadings have to be verified until the first pleading is verified. So somebody has to go in and verify something before they can make you verify something. So you don't have to verify anything if the other side hasn't verified anything. And you can just bring that up to them. Like, what have they verified against me? Well, nothing. Okay, well, I don't wish to verify anything on their behalf. Back to not consenting. Yeah. Yes, like Sean says, when you have... Oh, go ahead. If you inform them, like, because basically what they're relying on is for people to be ignorant and unintelligent and not really know what the law is or what they're doing. So when you start informing them of the law, like, you can just ask a simple question, and the judge will always answer, you know, that's, that's giving legal advice, I can't do that. And whenever the judge answers that, no, 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 I don't wish for any advice. I know exactly how I'm going to move in law. I require, you know, to know if the law is this or that, okay? I don't need any legal advice. I know how I'm going to move as soon as I find out what the law is expressly clear on in this jurisdiction. And you're the guy who would have the answer to that because an attorney can lie to me. Okay, so just ask the man or the woman acting as judge, do any pleadings have to be verified until the first pleading is verified? Like, if their pleadings are not verified, do I have to verify anything? Because you don't. And they're going to know when you start talking like that, they're going to know that you know the game. They're going to know that you know the law, and then they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to run over you in law, or are they going to play by the law? You know, Are they going to play by the playground that they wish to sponsor? The well, is open if anybody's got any questions. John, you still playing guns? No, it's just that I usually take lead on the Saturday show, so John takes lead on the Wednesday show. We kind of split it up and then both run our mouths in the last hour of it. So I'm just laying uh, back, dog. Just hanging out. Just laying back. Star, star six, if anybody wants to say hi, uh, ask a question. About anything, really. I just want to say hello. My name's Lewis. Just want to say thank you guys for your time and effort. Thank hey, you, Lewis. Thanks for being here. My name's Lewis. Just want to say thank you guys for your time. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
bad loop. Yeah, you see all uh, you can... Go ahead. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Shaman, if you would, uh, pull JC over. Walk us through a scenario. Mahalo. <laughs> what? I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? He said, pull, pull JC over at a, like a traffic stop and then uh, run a scenario through so we can hear what it would sound like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sir, if you don't if you don't shut up, I'm going to rip you through the window and punch you in the yeah, face. Yeah, pull him through the car window. Through, yeah, yeah. Pull him through the car window. I'm going to mace you and freeze you and put my dog on you and shoot you in the foot. Eat chocolate. No, I mean, like, <clears throat> you mean how would an officer approach? You want us to do, like, some kind of role play? Because, I mean, that's kind of – it's going to be hard for me because – I'm kidding. I know what he's going to say, <laughs> and I know how I would respond. So, uh, all that stuff yeah, there. We hear that. We could do that, but it would kind of be weird. I mean, basically, I mean, I, for anybody getting pulled over, I would start off with, are you going to use any of that against me in a court of law? And if they absolutely run over you saying that statement, I would be pretty cooperative and handle it in court later. Yeah, because a cop. Yeah, because as a cop, what I would do is I would walk up to the window. I'd be like, "Sir, uh, the reason I stopped you, you were doing 65 and a 45. Uh, I need to see your license, registration, proof of insurance, please." You know, and go ahead, John. Let's play the game a little bit. Are you going to use any of that against me in a court of law? Uh, I suppose that your name and stuff could. It's going to be brought up in court. So, yes, sir, I guess it could be used against you. But, uh, you know, you're doing 65 and 45. So go ahead and get your license, registration, proof of insurance out. Uh, well, if you if you wish to use that against me in a court of law, just maybe. You know, you don't even know yet. But if, if there's any idea that you might use it against me in a court of law, I just wish to exercise my right to remain silent. Okay, sir. So you're you're saying that you're refusing to identify yourself at this time? Oh no, no, no. I'm I'm not refusing. Oh, okay. You're not refusing to identify myself at this time. The okay. only thing is, that if you might use that against me in a court of law, then I'm I'm gonna have to remain silent. If you sign this little piece oh. of paper right here saying that you will never use it against me in a court of law, I'll hand it right over. Oh, I'm not allowed to sign anything. Well, what's your name? What's your name? Are you going to use that against me in a court of law? We're just talking here, aren't we? What's your name? I got to know who I'm talking to. My name's Sean. What's your name? Oh, wow. Oh, it's like that. Okay, my my name is uh, Willy Wally. Willy Wally? Yeah, is that that's your a real funny name. name it's a pretty huh? funny name. Is that your real name? Uh, well, it's my really funny name. <laughs> oh, well, is this your really funny car? Um, this year, I, I mean, know. is this your car or are you borrowing this car? I wouldn't think so. Why am I going to use your car against you? Dude, I think God owns this car. You think so? Did you borrow it from him? I think so. Um, okay, so yeah. what you're saying is you're not going to provide me with your driver's license, registration, and proof of insurance? Because you know hey, that you can I'm, be held for 48 I'm, hours without, if you refuse to identify yourself, right? 
I'm telling you, man, I would love to provide no. you with all of that stuff if you just sign this piece of paper. Bruce Any of it yeah, well, court of law. Yeah, I'm not allowed to sign anything. I'm not going to sign anything, well, you know. I'm afraid we're at an impasse. Well, well, what we're going to have to do then is get you on out of the car and figure out who you are. Well, and that's I that's like the direction. Well, uh, you're going to get out on your own, or I'm going to pull you out. So you're you going to get out on your own, or I'm going to pull you out. I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you the law. No, I'm just going to place you under arrest. It's not a threat. I'm going to find out who you are one way or the other. You're either going to tell me on your own accord, or I'm going to place you under arrest for speeding. Well, I'm just letting you know that if you're telling me you are going to physically rip me out of my vehicle if I don't get out, then mm-hmm. I'll get out of my vehicle. Are you going to physically rip me out of my vehicle? You're going to comply with my lawful order or you're going to go to jail, yeah. Are you going to physically rip me out of my vehicle? I'll rip? That word's a little ambiguous, sir. I think I'll help you out of the car. How's that? Okay, are you going to physically help me out of my car against my will? Sir, get out of the car right now. How's that? Get out of the car right now. Do what, buddy? So are you going... What did he say? Hold on, what did he say? I was going to say, you're talking all the time. You got to be careful, though. You're on the the highway there, man. You have all these cars that wasn't by you. You you know, you've been talking about... I don't care about that. I don't care. (laughs) I get paid by the hour. I don't care. The thing is, is I'm also putting on a little show for you. Actually, by this point, I probably would have already opened the door and ripped him out because I'm not going to sit there and argue with him all day. He's either going to tell me who he is or I'm going to put him in handcuffs and find out who he is when I run his fingerprints. Or I do or I do a search incident to arrest and I'm going to pull out his wallet or I'm going to inventory tow the car. I'm going to do an inventory tow slip and I'm going to find out what items are in the car. So that I, you know, for their protection, in case something comes up missing. Of course, it's not like a search per se. Cops got tools, and the, and the reality of it is, is I know how what he's doing. So it does kind of make it skewed. Most cops, um, they're going to be polite, but when somebody refuses to answer themselves, you can absolutely be arrested for not having a seatbelt on, or for not having stopped for a stop sign, or for speeding. It's a misdemeanor committed in the officer's presence. And when you have a tag on your car. The presumption is is that you're under their jurisdiction and you have to follow those codes. So what JC's doing is setting this up for court because he knows he's going with me. He already knows that. I mean, he's either going to sign it, the ticket, or comply with what I'm telling him where he's going to jail. Hey, I just realized something. Uh, If if he's going to then why don't he just, you know, go along with it and then do it in court like, like Carl used to do? Well, because I would go ahead and try and get them in a position to where they messed up, to where they violated my rights one way or another. Like, I would try and get them violating my rights as many times as I possibly could before I said, okay, like, just the same way I was trying to get Sean into saying that he was going to rip me out of the car. Um, You see all these videos online where people start handing over case law and say, oh, I have the right to travel, you know, Supreme Court, this versus that says this. 
or the appellate court says that. Um, a cop doesn't care about any of that stuff, but a cop does nope. know that he cannot extort you. A cop does know that he can't make you hand over anything that he's going to mm-hmm. use against you in a court of law. So, but see, if you notice how I, yeah, and if you notice how I answered, John, what I did was I drew, I went back to, um, how he can be held if he doesn't identify himself. Right. And then I went back to, I didn't technically threaten him with arrest. I said, you can be arrested for speeding. Because he can be. Like, you can't say, you better tell me or you're going to jail. But I can say, well, you can go to jail for speeding. Or if you don't comply, I'm going to put you in jail for speeding because I have discretionary power on the side of the road to either let him go with a ticket or put him in the back of the car. Your ticket usually says, in lieu of continued custody. That's what it said in Tennessee. And to answer the other guy, Carl paid his tickets, man. There's only one case that I'm aware of, and that was when he was driving his farm truck backwards on the road. <clears throat> other than that, he pays his fines. And as a matter of fact, he did a whole show on how you should go ahead and just pay your fines because this, this, the town uses that or the city uses that to get money for things that you need, which I thought was pretty ironic. When I was actually up at Carl's house, uh, the first time I went up there to work on the farm, um, he was actually really upset with Dozak at the time because Dozak had just put up a video about how Carl uh, pays his fines and, and tickets and Carl was ranting and raving at me about how, of course, he has to pay his fines and tickets. He can't go back and sue them until, you know, they've caused some type of harm or injury or loss. So, of course, you know, he has to pay it because that's the loss that he'll go back and sue them for. But, you know, I mean, once once they settle it and they have pretty well-established jurisdiction, you can't go back and sue them on, on making a Especially if you go ahead and comply. Yeah, I'm basically, you know, performing what they do every single day because if it were really just that easy, they'd be getting sued left and right. Nobody would want to pay their tickets. All right. Hey, so I'm sorry. If I can, I'd like to go back to um, – this is Carl, by the way. Go back to uh, something that Sean had mentioned in your role play about, um, hey, if you, if you've got the tag on your car, you're going to get pulled. Well, how about just circumventing that and just, you know, running your own personal little, hey, fuck off the plate, and then where's the jurisdiction lie then? Well, then why have a tag at all? Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. And that's where I've, I've, you know, I've got a couple cars that I have in my property that, you know, don't have tags on them. But if I was to run down the road, I would make something up and, you know, make it look like it's not going to stand out and it might just kind of blend in to that effect. But if they Well, do, I mean, cops are going to notice it, man. I'll just, I would have. Yeah, most, yeah definitely. Know, most but, of the time. But at that point, then, I mean, then what would, what would, what would you do in that situation? If I saw a tag, I'd pull you over. I mean, that's my job. 
Right. No, I get that. Unless, but as far as unless yeah, I was how, just in a good far, mood and I didn't want. But how far would you escalate it? Being, hey, look, you know, uh, sorry, but I'm not flying your flag, and I don't wish to play your game. And you know, where are you going to take it from there? Okay, as a cop, I would be like, dude, just stop that. Just stop it. Because I don't care. Man, I'm getting paid to come here and do this. I don't. If you if you don't like any of this, go to court. Talk it over with the judge. You know, I'm not. I'm not getting. I mean, I guess I am getting paid to sit here and listen to what you got to say, but I'm only going to listen to so much of it, and then we're going to start shutting. I'm going to start shutting it down because that's that's for two reasons, and I'm going to tell everybody how a cop would view this. First of all, there are some people out there who are sovereign citizens, and they're wrong, and they get violent. Some of them, they really do. I know it. Um, I understand their heart, and I get it, but when they're confused like that, what's happening is it's just like when I challenged Anna Von Rice. Okay, she's teaching however many, however many people she teaches this whole system of how to come out, and every bit of it's wrong. Her whole premise is, is skewed. So what happens is she starts arguing the right heart from the wrong point of view. And it creates controversy. And here's, and I don't know if anybody caught this on Angela's show. I debated a, a former, well, he's a current buddy. I mean, we're really good friends. He's a former police officer. And uh, I guess two, three years ago when I, well, three years ago when I really started waking up to what I know now, I was still in the Constitution. This is not constitutional kind of. And we were arguing about this, and it's like I said, brother, I said, you got to understand the point of view here. And he said, what's that? I said, you guys, because I'm out, so I'm not one of the club anymore, would kill somebody for jaywalking. Oh, that's ridiculous. We would not. I said, you're sure? Yes, I'm sure. I said, okay. Well, I was down for this uh, festival, and I had one of the officers tell me to quit walking in the road and, and come over here and cross at the at the thing and I just looked at him and laughed and it just so happened to be in the township that I worked in and the major heard the cop and he got ready to escalate it but he didn't realize who I was and the major said just made a motion like leave him alone and I walked on but let's just take that scenario okay it's no different than what I'm telling John hey John give me your license registration and insurance at some point I'm going to say I'm not asking you I'm telling you now, somebody's jaywalking. Sir, I need you to get up for your safety on the sidewalk there, please, and cross over here at the crosswalk. I'm fine, man. I'm going to keep walking. Well, sir, I'm, you know, you're you're in danger, and you're endangering traffic. Get up on the sidewalk. No, I'm going to keep walking. Okay, come here. Let me see your ID. No, I'm not giving you my ID. I don't have to give you my ID. Uh, yeah, I just gave you a lawful order. You better give me your ID right now, or this is going to go way south oh i'm not giving you my id see what you've got is you've got this immovable force meeting this immovable object you know you've got these two forces of thought and in the cop's mind and i'm going to finish the story in the cop's mind right he's trying to keep this guy safe because obviously he's a dumbass because he's walking in the middle of traffic and you shouldn't have to tell him that at the same time, this guy has a right to get hit by a car if he wants to. Um, so what do you do? Who's right? Who's wrong? Obviously, the guy who wants to get hit, right? Well, maybe not. 
Maybe it's the right of the person that didn't see them because they were in the middle of the road not to be terrorized in their mind for the rest of their life because they killed somebody. So the cop's going to tell him to get off the road. And if he doesn't comply with that order and he tells him to give him his ID and he doesn't comply with that order and he tells him to come here and he doesn't comply with that order and then he runs and then the cop chases him and they go into a dark alley and it looks like he's got something in his hand and the cop blows him away because he didn't get up on the sidewalk. Do you see how all of that could have been avoided with just a little bit of courtesy and a little bit of understanding? And that is just how quick it can get out of hand. And who's right, chicken or the egg? I think they're both right and I think they're both wrong. The guy should and could cross anywhere he wishes. But if there's heavy traffic, why not just get up on the sidewalk? You know, there's stuff worth dying for and there's stuff not worth dying for. And <clears throat> knowing when that moment is really helps. And, uh, and then knowing how to handle it and just get into court. Because if John and I had continued, and honestly, everybody was asking, well, why didn't we do this and this? Because everybody wanted us to put on a show. Um, <clears throat> why not just get it into court? And there's going to come a time when that's not going to be viable, and that's what we're worried about and why we made the doc. Well, John made the documentary. I just participated. But uh, <clears throat> there's going to come a time. But right now, we can try to get it back into court and reteach these because, honestly, the cop doesn't see that point of view because he doesn't look like he, he doesn't look at it like he's trying to control the guy. He looks at it like he's trying to keep the guy safe. And then he looks at it like the guy's just being a jerk. Why not just get on the sidewalk? Is it really that big a deal? So, you know, sometimes it helps to look through both eyes. And hopefully I didn't get off point and I answered the question because sometimes I get off point. If I did, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you don't mind, it, it, I, I still didn't quite get the, like, let's just say you pulled me over and I've got uh, no state tag on my car and it's my property. I, I'll even ride around with my bill of sale. Um, what what would happen at that point? Oh, well, I thought I answered that. I'm going to make you comply. You're going to comply with me or I'm going to take you to jail. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you. When I pulled people over, okay, there was a couple things on my mind. I wanted to be nice. I had a job to do. But when people start arguing with me on the side of the road, that can escalate into death in like five seconds. And believe me, I've been involved in shootings and stuff, so I'm telling you, it can go south really fast. So when I pull somebody over and they've got some crazy tag on, and I'm looking at it from the perspective of a cop, okay? And then I get on and you start talking about some gold fringe flag crap. And you got to understand cops go through classes on this. And they are told to look at these keywords. I guarantee you when a cop hears, are you going to use that against me in court? They're not thinking about sovereign citizens. They're thinking, Brick, i got to answer this question. Because John's right. We do understand self-incrimination. Um, so you're handling the situation in a way, but it, but just putting tags on your car and telling me about legislation and Supreme Court rulings and do I understand this 1871 Act and the gold fringe and I made my own tags as this is my property, most of the time, that's really not going to do well on the side of the road. 
it's just going to escalate the situation. Because, quite yeah, like, frankly, most cops don't know law. They just don't. Yeah, I, I apologize. So, I, I, I didn't think I brought up anything about, you know, gold torch flags or anything. I just simply. You did say just, something about we don't we don't go under your flag. You have, you absolutely said that. No. And, and yeah, not a yeah. big deal. It's right. Cool. Bad choice of words. Um, perhaps I'll revisit that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think <laughs> what he was meaning was basically, you know, he didn't have their tag on the car, like their flag, their tag. You know, he wasn't flying under the state colors, more or less. No, I um, no, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying, when you start saying it's your property and all that stuff, you ask me, what would I do if you made your own tag, right? Basically, yes. Maybe. Okay. Why don't you do this? Do this, because I really want to help you. Why don't you just expound on it, very expressed and specific, and that way I can answer it specifically. Like, okay, so you make your own tag. I walk up to the car. I politely ask you, let's go through the scenario with you. I ask you for your license, registration, and proof of insurance. Can those, things, you, can those things be used against me in a court of law? Well, yeah, I know you're saying that now, but what would you have said before you heard that? No, that's what I would say. Oh, okay, so you would have thought of that years ago. Um, I have, yes. Okay. Well, I mean, it basically would be the same scenario. Um, sometimes, honestly, when cops are in good moods, guys, that's when they don't pull you over. When cops are in a good mood, they don't they don't do their job very well. When they're in bad mood or uh, bad moods, they uh they don't do their job. When they're in good moods, they absolutely pull you over. Um, the uh the reality is, man, is they got a job to do. So even though you guys are respectfully saying I don't wish to incriminate myself, my job is to find out who you are and make you pay this ticket, or at least make you take the ticket. I don't have to make you pay it. You can go to court and argue it, but I, you know, I, I can let you go. You know, a cop has discretionary power, but most of the time, they're gonna, they're gonna take you. I mean, they're going to find out who you are, and they're gonna automatically assume, and I'm using that word properly. There's a reason you're not telling them who you are, and their mind's gonna start not going to sovereign citizen. It's probably gonna go to, is this car stolen? Um, do they have something in the car? Are they wanted for murder somewhere? Um, they're going to want to run a check on you. Um, 1029 check is what we would call in Tennessee. Warrants check. They're going to try to run you through NCIC to find out. And, and really, that's where their mind's going. It's really not on the sovereign citizen stuff. There's a reason that you're being evasive, you know. But they're going to take it. I would have. I would have taken you. No, hey. How much it wasn't that? I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, unless I was just not in a great mood, it was close to quitting time, and I just didn't feel like dealing with it, I might just say, well, look, man, just do me a favor, slow down, okay? And I have done that. I mean, I've done that a lot. Just, hey, can you do me a favor? You're going through the middle of town. There's a school right up here. If you don't care, can you slow down? Yeah, uh, words can't express the gratitude for you, Sharon. Um, the only reason I brought up that scenario was um, – Something you said in the uh, the role play you were doing with Jonathan there, and uh, I just thought it was something I wanted to visit. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, and, I, and I'm hoping I'm helpful. I mean, there's so many scenarios, but ultimately, the, to most of the questions are, cops are, their job is to find out who you are and to get you to sign this ticket. So keep that in your mind. Like, the way you answer something, the way you're acting, has a lot to do with it because look at it from a cop's perspective. I know a lot of people hate cops, but look what they deal with every day. Child abuse, rape, theft, car theft, assault. I mean, it's like lying. Just it's constant negativism, okay? And they get really, really used to dealing with bad people. And sometimes it transfers into a situation where it shouldn't. But when somebody starts becoming evasive, look at it from another person's perspective. If you asked your wife, what did you do today? Oh, nothing. Well, I mean, really, honey, I'm just, you told me the other day that I don't pay attention to you. You didn't care what you do. So I figured out, well, you know, what did you do today? Oh, nothing. You know, I just, I didn't really do much of anything. Did you go out? Well, yeah, I mean, I went out, but, well, where'd you go? Ah, it's not really important, is it? Your mind's going to go, where the hell is she at? Well, cops think the same way because everybody's their wife, you know. Where are you, where are you, where are you coming from? What are you doing? Because that's what they get paid to do. So some of the ways you answer that can, you know, de-escalate that, bring that down. Like, look, man, I'm not trying to bust your chops. I know you got a job to do. I'm just a strong believer in my rights. I don't wish to incriminate myself, so I'm not trying to make your job difficult. I'm just exercising my rights. So I'm not going to self-incriminate, and I wish to remain silent, so I'm not going to answer any other questions. That's it. Hey, if I could, I just want to share something. Um, when you said, hey, I'm going to you know, basically make you, I believe you said you're going to make me sign the ticket, right? Um, the last no, time I got I told you to take the ticket. Oh, okay. I apologize because I was going to share with you a time when I, the last time I got a ticket was actually in Hawaii years ago. And uh, the cop's like, well, hey, here's the ticket. Um, you'll have to sign it if you don't want to. And I was like, okay. And uh, went to court, didn't know anything, obviously wound up paying the ticket. So, But it was just interesting that he was like, here, you don't have to sign it. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because more and more people are refusing to sign because they're starting to understand that their contracts, John, if I'm talking too much, just let me know and I'll shut up. But they're not they're not signing more and more. So like certain jurisdictions, like in Bristol, Tennessee, you know, they know they recognize that it's an administrative process and that the state owns the driver's license. So the state's going to deal with that. Like if you don't sign it and you don't show up for court, the state's just going to take their property back. You're not going to have a driver's license to use. In other jurisdictions, if you don't sign it, you would think you had murdered Jesus Christ himself on the cross 2,000 years ago, and they will jerk you through the window and put you in cuffs, probably pretty rough. I mean, I've, I, it, I've seen that. Um, so I think that has to do with supervision and training and, um, you know, what is the chief like? What does he push? Because, you know, they have meetings on it, and they say, look, this is the preferred response. You know, this is what we wish for you to do. Like, Okay, you're driving on a suspended license. Well, what's it for? Oh, well, he or he expired or something. Oh, well, we'll just give him a ticket and have somebody come get him. Oh, well, he he failed to appear or he didn't pay the fine. Oh, that's automatic jail because they figure you can't be trusted to pay this ticket either, you know. But if you don't sign it, they take it personal. It's kind of weird. I don't know why they do that. I never did, but but that is what they 
most jurisdictions tell you to do is to arrest if they don't sign. In Illinois, Which they is, actually they actually take your license from you. They give you the ticket and they take your physical license from you, and you get it back when you go to court. Well, see, that makes sense. Right. That's what they do. Like I can understand that. Well, and that that would be a whole lot more preferred than putting somebody in jail. That makes complete Your ticket is your ticket is literally your ID. That that makes no sense because if you're driving home, then if you happen to get pulled over again, you give them. Well, yeah, you're. They're not going to let you drive, dude. Whose license is it? No, actually, they do let they yeah, do let you drive. They do. They do. That, they do that, let that you. That don't matter. I mean, you know they, what they I'm do, saying. They do let you drive, and they let you use the ticket as the ID. The ticket as the ID. For suspended? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, if you get a speeding ticket in Illinois. Oh, okay. I thought I was talking about suspended. I just kind of presumed you were still no, what, talking about. No, what what I said was when 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 they when they give you a ticket in Illinois, signing it or not. They physically take your license from you until oh. you go to court, and then they give you your license back when you go, when you show up for court. You know, after your case is over. <clears throat> hey, I've got a quick uh, question here, Bert. Yeah, we're talking about if um, you made your own plates. What if you don't have any plates? What if you just put private, not for hire? And take the plates off and have nothing there. They're going to do the and same thing. And that's basically what same I was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to understand, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. You're dealing with an entire you. You guys are coming into a situation right where you're learning the law, and however many years ago you didn't actually know it, okay. And these guys have never crossed that border yet. Like, they're still over here in legal land because that's what they do. And that, I mean, that's their job. That's how they actually stay honorable. So they don't understand. Their job, they see it. It's like a dog, right? A dog knows his job. It's like an algorithm. You know, you put an algorithm and it does a certain thing. Machines do a certain thing. Cops are a type of machine. They enforce policy, so they're very rigid on the way they approach it. And that's not wrong. I mean, that's what they signed up for, and the public accepts that. Now, the application is both sides' fault. Um, most of the public that starts this journey has never completely corrected it in the correct way. And uh, and then you have a whole society, as it were, who's been dumbed down as to what law is. So we're at this, you know, I feel like, Possibly we're either in a in a very dangerous stage where it's about to collapse in on itself or there's a transitional phase going on right now because JC and I both agree that people are more politically awake right now, politically meaning dealing with legal, lawful, and politics than they have been in quite some time. And But you still have the issue of 75 years of hardcore education leading you away from things. So, you know, you're saying what happens if I just put private not for hire. They think that's nuts. They see that stuff, and it is a flare shot into the sky with a big friggin' explosion that says sovereign citizen. You're probably better off not having a tag than to put that on your car. Because that is a magnet. On that, in most states, including the one that I'm in, 
Um, <clears throat> they actually have a statute saying that if you try to make your own tags or falsify tags or have any type of representation of car tags and it's not um, coming through the state that there is a fine and a penalty and it's against the law as well. Um, so I, I agree that if you're if you're not going to have state tags on your car, don't have any tags on your car. Yeah, I mean, there's no real reason. Like this is this is one of the things. Um, I'd kind of like to change the subject unless there's any other questions about court or stuff, which it seems like we're kind of off the court thing anyway. Um, is that okay with you, you um, Before you move off that topic, you know, you had mentioned about doing it the right way. If you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, take your car out of the system, if you're gonna drop your driver's license and give it back then you're going to eventually be in court. And so what, how do you prepare for that? Are you JC, do you want to answer it since I talked for a while? Or do you want me to? Go ahead, JC. Get the car or the vehicle bonded in some sort of way. And not because you have to, but basically because it's just morally responsible. If you're going to take your, you know, two-ton vehicle or, five-ton vehicle or 10-ton vehicle, or even if it's like, you know, a five-ton and you're going to go riding around town at 60 or 70 miles an hour some places, um, you know, if, if you cause some sort of damage, harm, injury, or loss, uh, somebody has to be liable for it. So the first thing I would do is go and get it bonded. The next thing that I would do is if you do get arrested or when you get arrested, um, you know, you you start learning the stuff and you put in the correct paperwork. And most of the time, if you start putting in the correct paperwork, and in a lot of states, like, uh, the cop will act as the prosecutor in traffic infractions. You start asking the cop if he's going to be the man acting as the prosecutor, and you start asking really good, lawful questions, I would say at least eight times out of ten, they're going to try and throw it out before it even gets to court. Um, <clears throat> otherwise, you're going to have to go into court, and you're really going to have to know what you're doing because you're going to go up against the magistrate or a man or a woman sitting on a bench and they will know what they're talking about. So, and in a lot of cases like this, in a lot of cases that Shaman and I help people with, you know, it's not the other side moving the case. It's the judge or the magistrate. It's, it's the man or the woman who really knows what they're talking about in law who's, who's moving the case. It's, it's not the prosecutor or the plaintiff or the defendant or whoever is on the other side. So, you know, those are basically the best things that I can kind of advise you of. And there are people, like there was this woman on YouTube, and she was talking about how um, when she started driving without a license and without tags, I mean, it got to a point where she had a million-dollar bond for her, you know, traffic infractions 
<clears throat> and of course, like she started writing to the Secretary of State and the Governor and the Legislature's office, basically saying, "Hey, I've been studying this. Is this correct?" And you know, they eventually wrote her back and were like, "Yeah, you know, this is correct." And she eventually got completely out of the system. And once you're completely out of the system, typically they'll leave you alone uh, for the most part. But you have to get completely out of the system, give everything back to them, and just give them notice, like, hey, I'm I'm done. Like, we're not playing this game anymore. And that's, you know, probably the best advice that I can give you, and it's still not going to guarantee that you will not have a bad day and that you'll never get arrested because there's a lot of ignorance out there and the other side is very blatant with their authority. Um, And so just because you know law doesn't mean that the other side won't act lawless. Just go watch that documentary, and there's more to come on that. Like, there's a lot more going on than what's in that documentary. That documentary mainly only focuses on, you know, five to ten minutes of one day at court. So there's a lot going on outside of that. And it's going and to they're be actually good. starting. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say they're actually starting, and we're not going to elaborate on it right now. But like the last time you guys waited, we gave you a killer documentary. They're trying to uh, start to do things to uh, come back on JC and myself. Like some of the stuff. And the, Baba. You know, yeah, and Baba. Like in the same week, we all got certain things. So, you know, they're uh, they're trying to double down to use intimidation and to maneuver us into a situation, which is funny because they should know by now that we actually know what we're doing. But, you know, it, I mean, they honestly don't have a choice. I mean, if, if, if you know, you got to think about it from their perspective. If this all gets pulled off in the proper, lawful, honest way, they, they're going to lose a lot of power because, you know, it's going to expose their, who they really are, you know, just like the Wizard of Oz, right? So, you know, they're not just going to lay down. I'm curious about another aspect as well, if you don't mind. Go ahead, man. Yeah, uh, let's say no tag. I don't give you, um, let's say, you know, I've got my insurance, but I'm not, I got no license or uh, I've got my bill of sale on me. And you decide, hey, I'm arresting you. You're in custody. We're taking you down. And uh, the processing. I'm curious about how to handle the processing because right now I'm of the opinion where I would just, hey, I don't consent and uh, carry through from there. And then, uh, and also I'm curious to know about, you know, what's the what's the waiting period to see the magistrate? Like, is it, you know, 48 hour period, something to that effect? You said you had an insurance. You say you had I'm insurance? Sorry. Did you say you had insurance? Yes, yes, I'll I'll have uh, uh insurance bill sale. No tag. Okay, no you understand that insurance is completely in admiralty jurisdiction, right? Okay. 
So then bond would be the way to go to bond or are there any Yeah, I mean if you were wanting to get out of a certain system, you have to use another. Okay. But as far as like the, the processing situation, like you know, they go Yeah, JC I kind of, I didn't realize he was getting ready to talk that quick, and I actually stepped over him. So, JC, I'll shut up. Go ahead. So, basically, with the processing, it's like uh, in most states, you have um, between 24 and 72 hours. Actually, in every state in the United States, you have between 24 to 72 hours um, that they can hold you without charging you. Um, once they charge you, you can require to move in front of a magistrate immediately, and typically they're going to put you in front of a magistrate, you know, within an hour or two. Um, so would I receive? <laughs> I'm sorry. Would I receive charging instruments immediately? Would I, would I be given paperwork while I'm in custody, or how would I know I'm um, being charged? Yeah. Typically, like, for instance, if, if they're going to take you in and say that you don't have a license and you don't have tags or registration and that that's the offense that they're arresting you for, then they're going to have that charging instrument for you. And, again, this is something that's different in different jurisdictions. Like, for instance, where I live, um, you know, in the particular county I live in, when you get arrested – you actually go before a magistrate before they even start um, processing you in. So before they even start taking your fingerprints or changing your clothes, like they always put you right before a magistrate and they give you the charging instrument. Um, there are other jurisdictions where they keep people for a day or two and, um, you know, process, process them maybe one time a day or two times a day. So it really depends um, for the process on what jurisdiction you're in and how they handle it in that particular county, at that particular uh, sheriff's office, courthouse, wherever they're going to take you to. And so it's kind of a really broad question to answer. Um, but if you require, like as soon as you get in, if you require to move in front of a magistrate, they're going to put you in front of a magistrate the next time they have an availability, which is typically what they do most of the time anyway. Hey, JC, what's the difference between a magistrate and a commissioner? Because in this state, I believe he goes before a commissioner first. You're in California, well, aren't you? No, no, I'm in Maryland. This is Okay, a, California does Maryland. that too. California does okay. that too, sorry. So basically it's like, um, I mean, it's just the same thing called by different names, like, uh, you know, some states you'll go before a magistrate, some states or jurisdictions you'll go before a commissioner, some places you're going to go before a district court judge. Um, you know, district court, superior court, the court of common pleas, magistrate court, small claims court, all of these things are are very varied from state to state, so there's no one answer for this. Um, but basically, they're just names, uh, and it's just what your state legislatures decide to call a court that was for anything under $7,500 or 
or if let your state legislature decide to call a court for anything that was above $10,000. That's basically where these different names and titles come into play. Other than that, they really kind of all mean the same thing. So going before a commissioner would be just like going before a magistrate. They just don't call them a magistrate. Gotcha. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for having the question. And thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. Well, hey, man, thanks for the great information because this is this is actually a really awesome call with a lot of great information. Yeah, thanks again, guys. Really great call, as usual. Top shelf. Thanks for that. You know what? Well, I think... Yeah. I really appreciate it. Coming on the show so much when it's like, you know, hey, does anybody have a question? Everybody's just like, nobody's saying anything. You know, talk back or somebody has to talk back. Otherwise, the show's not that good. Yeah, right. Well, here's a message for people. Well, uh, I'd like to speak out to the people that are listening to the recording. Uh, the reason you're listening to a recording is because some other people decided to be here and ask questions. If you want us to keep going, you need to show up. There's 400 downloads, 500 downloads sometimes. All right, so there's a whole lot of people listening, but there's very few people showing up. You know, this is not Rush Limbaugh. We're not here to do a program and to propagate something. All right, we're here to answer questions. That's really why we're here. Help people with their personal issues, whatever's going on. So we need you guys to show up and ask questions. That's what the show is really all about. And we also wish for donations because when we get donations, we're able to take those donations and not only feed ourselves, but also get ourselves to places where people actually need us and require us. So donations are kind of a big part of why the show goes on and what's going on with the show. As a matter of fact, when I went down last time to uh, North Carolina for Baba's case, you know, making the decision to come out of that system, um, I don't make anything like I would normally make. Um, It put me in a... Again, I've stated on the show that if I stayed in the system, I I would be financially better off. But it was a moral decision for me. And uh, donations, you know, we had a a guy uh, very dear to us we call Og for old guy. Um, Mm -hmm. He he is a really old guy, but he's he's cool. And uh, he he, uh, donated gas. You know, he put gas in my truck. And that's what helped get us down there because I, you know, I really just honestly, I couldn't afford it. And, uh, but it had to happen, you know, we had to go. So, uh, they really do go to things. Um, normally we don't really hound on the donation thing, but, you know, this is all JC does. So we do appreciate it. And some people have been donating a little bit here and there. And it is greatly appreciated because it's an old saying your money where your mouth is, right? So the people that believe in this, uh, what we're doing, it, it's awesome. It shows how we're all working together, and we appreciate it, and we're sure that you guys appreciate us being here. So it's a, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Hey, hey Sean, yeah, if I could. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, another thing that I just wish to add in there real quick, but how 
had Gus not sent me the last money from the last donations, my phone would not be on right now. <laughs> it would literally cut off, and I would not be able to physically do the show. What was uh, there, that? Somebody was getting ready to say something. Yeah, it's me, Ruben yeah, from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, go, I go to trial tomorrow. I had fired my attorney, and uh, I guess they expected me. Well, I can't. I don't understand legalese. They sent me some paperwork talking about I need to have an attorney when I go back. What okay. was your case about? Oh, uh, on the scooter? Yeah, the marijuana? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, what are you going to do? Well, sign the man thing and file my paperwork. My notices, that's it. So, well, do you remember what we were talking about last time? Vaguely. I've been trying to listen to the tape, but the tape was going in and out. Okay, you got so it tomorrow. You got court tomorrow. Yeah, I got. I, I'm supposed to have trial tomorrow. Supposedly, I fired my attorney before the last trial. Well, before the, the last trial date. Now that there's the next trial date tomorrow. Uh, uh, what kind of trial is the, the trial by jury? No, uh, my attorney had got me to waive that. Oh, well, that's no fun. I'd go ahead and put in a recension letter, like, basically, hey, you guys, I didn't know anything that was going on. I didn't even know I was waiving my right to a trial by jury. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to send everything that I ever signed in on this case. The next thing yeah. I would do is bring up the fact that um, you live in Florida, and in Florida there's no uh, there's no license required for driving a moped. Yeah. So, those are the two things that I would start hitting on. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, kind of goes without saying, but, you know, regardless of what happens, you don't consent, you don't wish to act as a defendant, you wish to know who the man or the woman bringing a claim is, um, you know, you wish to know who your accuser is. If they tell you that the officer is the accuser, bring up to them that the officer is only a witness. He's not an accuser. Who's the accuser? Uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad that he's a witness. I'm glad he's willing to take his time off on his day off to come up here. But who's the accuser? Like, who told mm-hmm. the officer to come and stop you because you were being a nuisance on the road? Yeah. And and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to not just do a notice, you know, you really need to have a declaration and and you and you needed something else too, right? If you're gonna do if you're gonna go the man route, which we kinda I think steered you a little bit differently last time by telling you just to you could just use the fact that you lived in Florida. But if you're gonna go the man route and uh I I'd rather nobody else answer. Do you remember what one of the things we said where you really have to have? <clears throat> like you, you have no. to have it. I well, don't remember. If if a person has status, what would a man have? Standing. 
standings. My bad. I'm sorry. Okay. But right. so, so a person has status because he's a status because he's part of the state, a creation of the state, and you're going really? to be a creation. Who said that? If you're going to be a creation of God, then you need to put. Um, don't you have to notice them? There you go. There you go. I understand what you're saying. But you got to. But you. But you also got to have something else. So if the person's not going to be appearing, uh-huh. yeah, uh, another silver up here. Yeah, there, yeah, okay. I, 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 I figured you knew. Your, yeah, no, I learned that from one of your guys' other shows, and I think that's okay. what really saved me the, la- the last time. Okay, and, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm just making sure. Justin, you know. explained to me to file one every time I go, and then I heard JC talk about file one before before you go. Yes, sir. You guys have been a real big help. I, I'm going to donate to you guys, and I'm, I'm, I feel so bad that I heard JC's phone almost got shut off. It's, that sucks. That really sucks. Like, it, it was shut off, and I had to, you know, take what Gus sent me and go pay it off so that they'd turn my phone back on. Like, it was shut off yesterday afternoon. As a matter of fact, I had to give him my part of the donation. <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's cool. He's my... He's my brother. I had some, I had some I had some work I could do, so it's no problem at all. I love John. He's a good he's a good dude. Pretty good turd as far as turds go. So well, good to help you, fellow man. Um, but I'd like to I'd like to deviate, JC, with your permission, since it was your subject matter tonight. You mind if I shoot off in left field real quick? Uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, and this is, I'm not going to say her name, but she was on a couple weeks ago. We've t- actually talked to her two or three times. It's a friend of Gus's. Um, if I, and, and I may be mistaken that she said it, but I'm pretty sure she did. But other people have, so I'd just like to address something. Um, people talk about going into that system and trying to change it. There's teachers like Rod Class who do that, like he's going to learn their stuff so he can correct them on it. Um, Think about, or if you're going to run for office or, you you know, I'm going to be a cop so I can, you know, change it from the inside. I want you guys to think about it, everybody listening to this, to think about it from from a different point of view. Let's say... For whatever reason, you create, you and you and five, six other buddies create a company. And you guys sit down and, and of course, creating a company, anybody wants to maximize profits. That's kind of the whole reason to do it. And if you can get customers, you know, the more customers you get, the more you can capitalize on that and the more capital you can create. So you're, you know, five or six dudes and then you kind of write up some some, uh, rules and regulations governing that, that company. And then, you know, people sign on to it because they think that these things are good and they can see benefit to it and they want to grow. So the company grows to 50 people, then to 100, then to 100,000 people. And then let's say you get some people to come into, they get, you know, they come into the company and then they, they, they start trying to say, well, I'm not going to, I see the dress code here, but I'm not going to do that. We need to change this dress code. 
well, yeah, but you're working with steel. You know, it's not your dress code to change, and you're working with steel, so you have to have steel toe boots to protect your toes for your protection. Well, yeah, but I don't like it. And then you get in there and you start trying to tell them, hey, you can't do this and you can't do that, and we're going to change this, and and this is how it's going to how the, how we're going to do it. You know, what's going to happen is, <clears throat> well, JFK thought he could change some stuff from the inside. Um, the reality is, is if somebody creates something and you don't like it, it, you don't try to change it. You don't participate. You know, you don't, you're not going to change somebody else's thing for the most part. I mean, obviously there's little changes that can take place or even sometimes a big change, but you're still not going to change the nature of it because it was created by people to do a certain thing for their benefit and that's their selves and their posterity. And that's what it says. So the way you change things is by education and being a part of your own creation. And this is where we talk about on the Saturday show about the fact that, you know, the creator gave us another form of government called the church. And, you know, basically you ignore the other side. You ignore them. They're not, you know, it's like you can't be scared of the boogeyman if he's not real. And it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Some people are, are going to get hurt, arrested. Um, those things are going to happen, and we need to try to handle them as knowledgeably and peacefully as we possibly can. Because remember, the, our ultimate goal is to bridge the gap that's between these two worlds and give give people the ability to cross the gulf that's between the two. You know, you you got to give them a bridge and the only ones that can build the bridge is the people that listen to this call and others like it because we understand both sides right because we lived in that world and now we're learning this one so it's up to us even more than them to build that bridge and uh that's a pretty high responsibility and yeah we're kind of vulnerable but uh you know, it's like JC and I were talking this afternoon about the goings-on, some of the things that are privately going on right now with us. And we don't get as mad at the other side as we do ours because, you know, they're doing what what wicked people do when they're wicked or what ignorant people do. That's what they do. You don't get mad at a dog because he bites you. you got to teach the dog not to bite. But... If you don't work with your dog and you don't try to teach it and you're apathetic to it, you might just get bit yourself. So the reality of it is is we should be harder on ourselves because it's our job as the most and in, more informed peoples to teach the other side. And we can't do that care about one another's goings on. It's not just about what's going on with us, right? It's about what's going on with others. And that's why JC, Gus, and myself, and Brian when he can, and Jeff's doing his show, and other people do their shows, is because they're trying to help other people besides themselves. And you guys being a part of this show, spreading the show, and uh, learning from it, and then doing your best to teach people locally, that is how we're going to change everything. And that is all without guns, knives, sticks, rocks. That's just with a little bit of effort and a whole lot of love.
So I just wanted to say that. Hey, Shaman. Hey, what's up? Um, you're talking about, you know, teaching as, as we learn and we teach others. And, um, and I'm just wondering at what age we start teaching our children and grandchildren the truth. I mean, we don't want them growing up with this same lies that we grew up with and then have to work so hard to to learn the truth and to live the truth. What do, what do you think is a good age for them to start learning? Because not only do we need to teach each other as adults, but for them as they grow up so they can bring that up with a new generation. Well, I know for JC and I, we've, we've been teaching our kids since they were old enough to comprehend it. I know JC teaches his kid contract law um, and other stuff. And I you know what I teach my daughter. So we absolutely yeah. try to, uh, I mean, JC, you want to elaborate on that? Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I was actually hanging out with my kid because he just got back. He was on vacation for most of the summer with his grandparents, and uh, we were watching Goodbye, Christopher Robin, and he just started <laughs> some experiences in World War One, and, um, you know, it kind of goes into World War Two, and um, I was kind of elaborating on that for my boy. And he was asking me why World War One and World War Two happened, and I said, "Well, do you wish to know the real reason, or what they're going to teach you in history class?" You know. <laughs> and so yeah. I kind of separated it from like, "This is the real reason. The real reason is because war is very profitable, and the international banks love to create war because it makes profitability and it helps them control societies." Now, what you're going to learn in school is that Hitler was a madman and he had a blitzkrieg and, you know, he was going to kill all of the Jews and he had this big plan to exterminate the earth and only have one master race. But, you know, that's not, I mean, there are parts of that that are true, but that's not the full truth. I mean, Hitler was arrested in, I believe, 1933 for leading an armed revolt. Okay, so he actually led people into the streets of Germany with firearms. Actually, it wasn't 1933, because that's when he came into power. Um, but, uh, you know, Hitler was arrested in the late 20s, I think, um, for leading an armed revolt into the street, like people with guns shooting against the government. And he only served six months in jail, not even prison. Okay, anybody else would have been hanged for treason. And in that time that he was serving the six months for jail, he wrote Mind Kampf, which I don't really believe that he wrote, but it was a good piece of propaganda. So, you know, basically it's like something was behind that force. Like somebody sponsored the Nazi party and made them rise up from eight guys in a basement into this huge national German party within like eight or ten years. That didn't just happen as a grassroots movement the way that, you know, history wishes to portray it. That's, you know, that's silly. So, you know, that's 
I was thinking more along, and I I agree with what you're saying about teaching the real truth about history um, from the from a very young age. I, I was thinking more along the lines of everyday common law, you know, because it, it's kind of hard to understand the older you get, you know, and try to absorb it all. And I'm I'm just thinking it's like language or or math or something. The earlier you start. You know, the easier it is for them to learn, and the more indoctrinated they become to it. Um, so well, I was, I was just curious. I'm sure there's no certain age, but I, well, hey, I just wonder how many people well, even think about the younger generation, the, like the really younger generation. Hey, hey. Well, kind of like was saying, like I started teaching Malcolm. Like Malcolm knew the basics of contract law when he was two years old. Oh, like he knew he could argue with me. I could give him an offer. He could come back with the counter offer, and we would have to come to some sort of an agreement and acceptance by the time he was two years old. Yeah, and that's, and that's basic the, the basic. And basically, I've been doing. And whoever's making all that noise, you guys please stop. Um, the uh. I've been working with the Tater like that, too. And one of the things I also do with her is, like, like if you ask her what's the most important thing in the world in her life, and she'll tell you, is to love God. Like, even more than mommy and daddy or anything, like, she's to love God. That's the most important thing. So, you know, you you try to teach them and hope it takes. <laughs> But you yeah. know, there's a bunch of other there's a bunch of other stuff I teach that I won't tell. I'm going to say on the air because it's nobody's business. But I don't mean that in a rude way. But you know, yeah. as early as you can, as early <laughs> as they can comprehend it, and you should. And and plus, what's the main way you teach, Ma? By example. By example. No. Yeah. I really, I really believe that we, uh, you know, not just here. Uh, in the states, but all over the world, and and in every single language, you know, people do teach their kids the common law. They teach the kids, you know, natural law. Don't don't pull your sister's hair. Don't kick the dog. Be nice to the neighbors. Don't touch somebody else's property. You know, those are all basics of common law. And I think as a, as societies, uh, regardless of where they are found, that's what that's what society teaches their kids. It, it's the legal stuff. That gets into their heads later. Um, my, I remember somebody who uh, turned 18 and showed me their paper. Said, you know, they had to go register with the with Selective Services. And I said, hey, let me see that. You know, he was telling me about it. I said, let me see that paper. I've always wanted to look at the language on that. And when when I read it, I pointed out to him the part of the sentence that made it voluntary. I said, that's a, that's totally voluntary. It says it right there. Yeah, he said, well, it doesn't say voluntary. I said, well, they're not going to use the word voluntary. They're not going to be blunt. But, you know, so it's, you know, as as you get out into the world and people say, well, you got to get a license, you got to pay taxes, you got to do this, you got to do that. They're expressing, you know, their beliefs, but uh, nobody was exposed to that until they got out into the, into, you know, what's called the real world. But it's not the real world. It's the make-believe world. The, the real world is the one that you grew up in where, 
you respect each other and take care of, of each other and, and look out for each other and um you know natural law that's that's what we actually grow up in yeah i mean it's actually kind of interesting that you bring that up because when i was 17 years old um i actually uh had a friend's mom pull me aside and basically tell me that i was pretty open-minded and she basically told me to never sign up to have a tax return like to never sign a contract with the IRS, and really just broke down some of the very basic, simple principles. And so to this day, ever since I've been 18 years old, I've never, ever signed a contract with the IRS. Yeah, because, you know, we all grew up with the thou shalt not steal. I mean, the, the natural laws, be kind to one another, do this, do that. But... I mean, and and I did, but growing up, as you fall more and more into the system and there's nobody there to tell you not to, you know, it's real easy, but, I mean, you can still hold on to those natural laws, but you're still going to end up, you know, if you're not carefully guided, you're still going to end up in the system like we all did, you know? Hey, JC, JC. Don't don't you you see how God works? You know we were I was talking because one of the things we're going to do this weekend, God willing, is we're going to discuss relationships, um, and family, and how it affects everything we're trying to do. And I mean we mean everybody on this call, and uh, it's just interesting how you piped in and brought it right where we needed it because when we ended the show we wanted to tie it back into that and uh my wife's a little reluctant because she's nervous about being on but i'm going to get her on the air and talk to you guys and tell you know because there's a huge side of this that gets lost and that is when you have people who are like you know the people on this call or jc myself gus who, you know, choose to enter this kind of life, how does it affect, you know, your family? How does it affect the people around you? And then there's all kinds of things. You'll hear arguments like, well, my first duty is to my family. I have to protect my family, and that's why I gave in. Actually, your first duty is to God and the truth. Then it's to your family. So um, this this coming Saturday is going to be a pretty good show. And... uh I'm going to give my wife an opportunity to speak, and um, the certainty you know, of the lesson is going to be kind of centered around that and family, and tie into some other stuff. So there's kind of a a little insight on what's coming Saturday. So actually, thanks for bringing up that question, Ma. Well, you're very welcome. So it looks like we got about, we're on what, two hours, Gus? Yeah, we're just, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we've been, the recording's roughly two hours. It used to tell, tell us how long the recording was, now it's telling us how long we've been on the phone. So it's, uh, we've been on for about two hours and ten minutes. So I know the recording started about 10 minutes after we were on, so yeah, something like that.
Yeah, guys, I mean, if anybody's got any quick questions, go ahead and fire them off before we, uh, we call it a night. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry about that. No, I was just, you know, I'll wait for questions. I'll do what I was going to say after the final questions. All right, star six to mute. Go ahead and mute yourself. Um, I muted somebody out uh, earlier who was making some noise. If you're having a hard time unmuting, press start two, and that will raise your hand, and I'll unmute you. All right, well, go ahead, Chad. I think we're done. Well, I was just going to say, um, again, you know, it's really not about us, per se. It's just the message. Um, so if you guys could really, really push this show, and um, again, on Just Conspiracy, some of the videos on there, the documentaries on there, we're going to be making follow-up documentaries. Uh, anybody who's part of the Common Law Shamanism Facebook page will notice that I do little three- and four-minute videos where I just grab a subject matter and I just come in with a laser and boom, we just knock it out. That way you can always go back and revisit it. There's stuff on there about consent, notice of appearance, just you know other issues, and there'll be more and more added. Uh, JC will probably do some. And, uh, of course, there's the redressfordummies.org. There, you know, we're gonna we're in the process of uh, building a lexicon, and there's a lot of work to do on that. We've just been kind of sidetracked, John, with the documentary. Me, we're just trying to stay alive and be a dad, um, and then help, you know, do the Saturday show. So, you know, we're gonna try and get subject matter. We're working on a. We had a thing called the Eight Points of the Constitution, which points out some pretty interesting stuff, and we're in the process of revamping that so that uh, it ties more in with natural rights and natural law and its relevance to all their documents and, and you know, ways to look at it, things that you can physically get your hands on and look at, you know. We've also talked about um, trying to, and this is going to be down the pike, and because we, we're going to need, honestly, we're going to need money and time to do it, and that's to work on a pamphlet, you know, 15, 20-page pamphlet that deals with certain issues in a very, very precise way so that you guys have some little reference thing that you can carry with you. Um, that way it's, you know, no matter where you're at, you're on a bus or something, you just need to read up on something. It'll deal very quickly and very shortly with certain uh, subject matters. And so, you know, all this takes time. And we're trying, guys. We've only been at this for, I think, right at three months. So, we really are trying to get more and more study things out there for you guys. Of course, you can go on, and there's a lot of suggestions that we have as far as videos, books, things of that nature, and, of course, our audios. Um, so, yeah. Shaman, JC, good job tonight. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I have a uh, question. Go ahead. Um, uh, first of all, um, if you could tell uh, where... Uh, to donate, and my second question is: One of the uh, gentlemen had removed himself from the District of, of Columbia, and I was wondering if you could cover that that process. And I'm going to mute out because it's starting to rain. Um, right, donate, donations uh, for now, for the time being, there's a donation button on redressfordummies.org. And those donations are going directly to Sean and JC. 
if you wish to donate to the show itself, get a hold of me and get my uh, my PO box, and I'll give you I'll give you that. But um, donations uh, can be done right through the website at, at uh, through PayPal. And this, I think the other question was somebody removed himself from DC. I think he's talking about you, uh, Sean. Yeah, and, you know, and I just want to give a shout out. Like, uh, you know, I like I said, there's been a a couple of times I've got a buddy of mine who had to I had to ask for help, and that's just not something, you know, for 25 plus years, maybe 30, I was always the guy that people came to for for help, and I never had to lean on anyone, and that it bothers me to do so, but uh, thank God he helped me out. So. Those things are appreciated, guys. Um, whoever donates, and there's there's been a couple of good ones, but we really do appreciate it. As far as the DC thing, um, nobody, especially the guy that answered this, asked this question. Do not take this in any way, arrogantly or anything. Nothing like that. It couldn't be further from the truth. But I will tell you that before anybody decides to do that. First of all, you have to be deadly serious because they are. Second thing is make sure you know what you're talking about and what you believe because they will ask you. And it's just simple. It really is a simple process in my opinion. Um, It is a dangerous one, but it is simple. You just inform them. You you know, we had a guy, I don't know if he's on the call tonight or not, I had to ask him to take a post down because, in my opinion, when you attach a form that they create, okay, for, quote, their reading purposes, in my opinion, it's showing that if you're attaching it in relevance to what you're doing, then apparently you understand what they're doing, and in a way, you're validating it by using it to qualify what you're doing, even though you're only doing it for their reading purposes. So the documents that were created that I used had nothing to do with anything they pinned. And I actually, uh, and JC will tell you that a lot of times he advises people not to uh, go exactly the route I did. But for me, the whole point of leaving their kingdom, or actually I wasn't really in their kingdom, I just thought I was. Um, For me, it was the proper citizenship that I have is of my Father in Heaven. And everything He gave me was for the benefit of my family and for myself. And that is a trust that was created. And it's just like the difference between holy matrimony and marriage. There's a huge difference between those two. So I just informed the proper parties of uh, who I was and what kingdom I was in and of, and that, you know, there's obviously no violence. I'm at peace with all that of mankind, and I'm not trying to tell them that they can't do this and they can't do that. I'm not a protester. It's none of my business. I'm not trying to change the rules of their government or their business or their company. Um, it's very important that you you make some note of that somewhere, in my opinion, that you're at peace because... When you're doing something like this, it could be taken in a bad way. So you're just basically writing out in your heart what you know to be true for you. It's your belief. It's your 
you're writing down. And of course, as always, JC and I absolutely believe that penmanship and uh, um, the proper writing style is imperative. Like, you know, you need to know, and yes, it is a need, you need to know how the hand of man writes. Because when they see this document, they're going, even though it's 5% of what you're doing, it sets the stage for everything. Because they're absolutely looking at that, and they're going to know if you're a man by the way you write your document, or a woman. Um, so that's what you do. And you write, in my in my uh, case, I wrote Jeff Sessions, and uh, the Secretary of State of the United States. And... I just told them what was on my heart and who I was. And uh, apparently they agreed with me. I can tell you, you're not going to get an answer. And if you do, it'll be some something like I can't give you legal advice. But uh, no answer is an answer, you know. So you just need to, you know, you need to inform the proper people, the proper actors of government who you are, and the nature of your intent and how you're at peace, and then uh, then actually act the way that you state, because actions speak louder than words ever could. Well, I, so you, can't uh, be dub- I, you can't be double-minded, you know what I'm saying? I agree. I, I like uh, your uh, your comparison of holy matrimony to marriage. That is a very good, uh, that is a very good uh, distinction. Um, and you did inform the uh, top, which is the Secretary of State, and the only way he could respond is is with a rebuttal. That's why he does not respond. He doesn't need to respond if he agrees. Silence is agreement. But uh, the only way he could respond is with a rebuttal, and because he did not rebut, which he cannot rebut, because he cannot uh, stand as a witness with first-hand knowledge to rebut. So you kind of cornered him. and. Uh, I thank you for your explanation. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no problem. And the holy matrimony thing, I mean, I know that's kind of a subcategory here, but, you know, I have a very good friend of mine who lost a wife over that issue. And uh, it's sad that, quote, people who, quote, you know, call themselves Christians have gotten so far from the Word of God that they can't even tell the difference between government and God anymore. And that's kind of the whole point. And that's going to be part of what we're dealing with this weekend because this is an important issue, guys. I mean, you know, you you have God at the top of the hierarchy, right? And then he's number one. And then bullet point A is family. And um, understanding the relationships, not only with the creator, but with the people around us. I mean, a lot of people, you know, we've talked about JC and I were talking about this today. Gus and I have talked about it. Relationships. I mean, just just pick somebody in your life and think about it. Like, how important? I mean, how many people do you affect that you don't even think about? Like, if if you just suddenly disappeared, what would? How would that affect people around you? I mean, that's the kind of people we should be. That it would be such a dramatic thing. If something happened to one of us, that it should be like a ripple effect. Like people ought to go, "Oh my gosh, how will we? 
or what will we, you know, or look at what he or she, and that's the kind of people that change the world right there, you know, or just in general, I mean, people you love. So, yeah, I mean, that holy matrimony marriage thing, man, that one one is a relationship with the state. The other one's a relationship with the creator. And interesting to note, right, the two become one. You know, right there, it's like there's a person created, you know. I don't know. It's important stuff, but thanks for the question. Hey, this is uh, Eric from Southern Maryland. I just wanted to say, uh, JC and Shaman, this is an awesome call. This You guys just hit a lot of really super important points tonight, and I'm just really grateful. And I, I am very grateful for Gus. Gus, you're awesome. I had a great conversation with you last night, and I just, I'm very grateful. You, this is getting better and better and better all the time. So, I'm just, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks everybody for coming out tonight and uh, joining us on Wednesday night. And please come back on Saturday evening. When uh, when Gus will start up the show at nine o'clock, and you know Shaman will be on with his Bible studies. That's right. We'll be back Saturday for a Bible study, rocking the Word, and on Tuesday for hands-on health with uh, Jeff and Dana. Uh, who's that? Who's speaking? Do what? I think it's Mike. Yeah. My- can you hear me clearly or no? We couldn't, yeah, but we no, can no, now. No. Go ahead. What's up? Yeah, you said nine. I was making sure if that was Eastern because now uh, the new talk show actually has like the the actual time in your own time zone, so you, you so you can actually say the uh, actual. Yeah, it's, time. All, it's always it's always the same time nine nine p.m. Eastern. Okay. Uh, if you, right, guys, you guys have. If you guys are going to hang out for a little while longer, uh, you know, I can say with you guys, but uh, I'm thinking about I might, uh, uh, I can uh, open my call up again if anybody wants to come over. I'm, I'm going to officially reboot my call tomorrow after Angela, but uh, I'm going to do a practice call tonight. All right. 142306. There you go. All right. We'll catch you all uh, Saturday or Tuesday or next Wednesday. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for everything, guys. Great night. Great night. See you guys. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.